we are reviewing Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, Episode 10, The Intruder. Power on, applied directly to the forehead. Welcome to this episode of Amazingly Terrible, the podcast with a serving of hot garbage for your face holes. I'm Matt. Hello. My name is David. I'm Mike, once again. And I'm Derek, and I always go last. Dear listeners, we apologize. This episode, we are, uh, we've lost our deepest voiced member, the panty dropper himself, Adam. <laughs> to an unfortunate bidet accident. Yeah. <laughs> the, wa- the water pressure was too high, folks. <laughs> I have been waiting to do this episode since we started this. That's right. Uh, I I wanted my childhood ruined by, <laughs> by re-watching this show. <laughs> yeah, kicked in the teeth and dragged out in the street. Dragged through the mud and beaten behind the school. I, I think that's what you would do to your childhood by watching this. So yeah, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. This was uh, was my lunchbox on my first day of kindergarten back in 1988. And so that's why I was super excited to watch this. And full disclosure, I have not seen Captain Power since I was five. Uh, so went into watching <laughs> this show yesterday and today, having not seen it in 30, what, 33 years now. Um, and I was, I was surprised. No, oh? I wasn't. No, I, no. <laughs> this was terrible. <laughs> I was surprised the way when you take a big poop and it splashes in the water and it splashes up on your butt. It's called Neptune's Kiss. Yeah, that was that was the kind of surprise that I got. So let me let me give like two seconds of background on on the show and everything else. And actually, something that it was fairly surprising. So the show ran nineteen seventy nineteen eighty seven to eighty eight for twenty two episodes, and there was actually intent when this show was produced, which we'll get to a little bit later, to have a second season of this show. Like, the second season was mostly written, and it just it, it fell off because this show specifically failed for a couple reasons. One, um, if you do any sort of research on it, the guys who, who actually were in the show and who wrote the show were like, they really put a lot of time and effort into what they thought was making a good product that would appeal to both children and adults. And because of that, they never found kind of a happy medium. And this show got just elevated to the pedestal of, like, this show exists purely to sell toys. And the toys were expensive, too, because they were they could interact with the, with the show on the mm. – with the they had, like, these light blasters similar to the Nintendo blaster um, that uh, when you watch the episode, you see these large orange and blue kind of blotches on screen, and that's how your blaster would, would interact with it. It's a camera. And basically, it uh, registers whether it's pointed correctly based on what it sees. A light gun. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So anyways, the toys were expensive. The show really didn't get a lot of fans other than five-year-old Derek. Um, Well, the the notes I saw was that it was too violent for kids and too stupid for adults. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, But if you watch any of the violence in the show, whew. So first of all, two things. One, I'm amazed that you still have a picture of yourself from kindergarten that, you know, back in the 80s before we had cell phones and parents took pictures of, of like, you know, the kids eating their breakfast cereal. Like, I guess the 
kindergarten's a big thing. It was probably your first day of kindergarten. And Mike, two, he had he has parents. Like he didn't just <laughs> spring from nowhere. Well, I, I don't was, have I was a built pi- from I, body parts of dead GIs and old tank wheels. I don't have a picture <laughs> of my old lunchbox. So oh, I'm sorry. He has loving parents. Oh, <laughs> way to clarify that. That was my picture. At the bus stop on the first day of kindergarten. So, okay, so if it was the first day of school, then yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Like the CGI improvement from 1988 to 1998. Like if you remember, 1998 was uh, Independence Day and Jurassic Park and stuff that actually looked really, really darn real. And mm-hmm. then we, ha- we, we rewind 10 years and we look at Captain Power, which is obviously not the same Hollywood production level, but... It's like you could make that on your phone these days. It's like, but how do you know? But Captain Power looks—it looks real. How do you know what that future looks like? Wait, it looks exactly like the same Captain Power where the little bird-like things are flying around. Yeah, that's exactly what those things look like. Yes. Yeah. Bad. In the future, they look like bad CGI. It looks like Star Fox. I think I think it's unfair to compare this show to Independence Day because that's a major blockbuster versus a children's television monetary grab. I would say compare this saying, to something yeah. like what was what was big in ninety seven ninety eight. That was like a, a sci fi show, and go look at some of the CGI there. Was it reboot? Just, was Lex back then? Was this show I, rebooted? No, no. He's thinking of the show reboot. It might have been around that time. Reboot is probably better, but still shitty. Yeah. I mean, I used to think that Star Fox uh, had amazing graphics because it was 3D back in the era of, like, Super Mario Brothers and stuff like that. So m- maybe a 8-year-old, 9-year-old kid me would have found this, like, mind-blowing. Oh, I can guarantee you 5-year-old Derek thought it was awesome. <laughs> I had the fucking lunchbox and action figures. I don't think I had any of the toys, but I really remember the show. I can clearly remember, like, the mid-season twist in the <laughs> plot line. So, this is episode 10, right? Yes. So, fun fact, this is episode 10 in the order that they were uh, written and produced, but this is actually episode 9 on how they were aired. Because what would okay. have been episode 8, The Room, uh, was not actually produced. So that one that one threw me for a loop for a bit when I went to do my initial research on it uh, via Wikipedia, of course. And I was like, wait a minute, this is saying 9, 10. But yeah, there, there was an episode in there that they scratched. Technically 10, and it was aired on November 15th, 1987. What uh, episode was the mid-season twist? Like, how many episodes were in a season? Well, this is definitely after the twist. Post-twist. Post-twist. Yeah. P.T. So we'll just. So it might have been like seven. We'll just kind of talk about it right now. This this episode is actually setting up season two. So, uh, the character that we meet, Andy Jackson, was uh, written into the second season to actually become a the member of the Soldiers of the Future. That is mm-hmm. why he d- has a fairly large role in the episode. Um, and if if the show got canceled, you would have been like, "What the hell was that all about?" The dude with the really really bad fake beard. Uh, but yeah, no, he was he was fully intended on being the next member of the team, and I don't know if his his friend was was supposed to be another member, uh, Rep off Ted Nugent, but uh, the the young girl in the 
well, she's not a young girl, but 20-something-year-old female, the corporal. She actually is killed at the end of the first season. <gasps> Spoilers. Yeah, dude, it's been 40 years. This is <laughs> giving me okay. really, really big, like, RoboCop and Judge Dredd vibes. Oh, it's Terminator through and through. And the, the writers got accused yeah. of being, like, essentially grabbing all the Terminator, like... The backstory to this is, is told at the beginning of the episode, and we'll we'll get into that in a second. But when when one of the writers was asked, they were like, he was like, if I was going to give you Terminator, I'd just go call James Cameron. And you're like, dude, this is literally Terminator. Like, <laughs> you guys, like, there's an AI that hates humans, it kills all the humans, and there's these resistancy humans, except that they can morph into, like, really, really bad-looking Power Rangers with spray-painted gold armor and butt pads. Like... That's and this is a kids show like like this yeah. is yeah. this I, I cannot believe it's it was like was geared towards kids like I don't this, know post-apocalyptic shows have been around for a while I mean like that's yeah, post Thundar. post-apocalyptic cartoons yes but uh, live action if it doesn't have singing dancing or puppies it like what are kids attracted? Oh, you didn't finish the episode. You, you know that that's what we need. We need a post-apocalyptic musical. That's what that's what's with, missing yes. from our society. With, with yeah. puppies, with singing, I, I, I dancing mean, puppies. Actually, after looking at the opening, some of the characters gave me this really weird flashback of my mom saying, "You're not allowed to watch this. This looks violent and scary." <laughs> And uh, it's the guy with the the, the red eye. Like I, I, she was right. It's burned into my Im- like into my memory, and it's like that I was told point blank by my mom not to watch this show, and I might have actually enjoyed it because as a, as an eight or nine year old kid, boy, let me say this: as an eight or nine year old boy, the explosions and guns and stuff like that is absolutely <laughs> what I would like. I, I misspoke earlier with the, the, the singing, dancing, and puppies that I was speaking on behalf of my daughter. But on behalf of my son, he would <laughs> absolutely just be all over this and go out and want to just smash something at the moment he walks outside. Yeah, for the inappropriateness towards children, I don't think it's the violence so much. It's the bleakness of the setting. Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, it... It's unrelenting. There's not a lot of comic relief. Uh, it's not lighthearted. It's slow. No. It, it's it. It is slow too. And, and I think that's a, a sign of the the change of the times, where our shifting attention span has absolutely destroyed our ability to handle any kind of dialogue or dramatic pause or <laughs> anything well, like that. I, we switched into grandpa mode. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 32 minutes. Well, it, well, it's not the 80s. We don't have nuclear annihilation hanging over us no. as an imminent threat. No. Now we have uh, ecological annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's just, that's a theme nowadays. But so, so, so we need to bring back Captain Planet. He's a hero. Captain Power. <laughs> Captain Planet and Captain Power make They were date. actually going to re-release this show there was there was plans mm-hmm. to put the uh to essentially redo this in 2016 and as of 2018 it had not gotten off the ground so i mm-hmm. highly doubt we're going to see captain power 
anymore. But, uh, yeah, they, they wanted to do it. Hmm. I will bet you, jeez, mm, $200 that David knows everything about the reboot. No, I, I've not, I have not heard about the reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets the cash in on that one? David just sent me a text being like, I'll shut the fuck up if you want to split the cash. <laughs> uh, anyway, right. so before Derek, we get into the episode, we should oh. say, and this episode will be uh, summarized by our Sumerian, Derek. Thanks. I do like how we're calling the, the people who are summarizing the episode Sumerians. I just started mispronouncing it on purpose. I, I, when you sent that text, I was like, ooh, ancient Sumerians. We yeah, the ancient beer. Sumerians. And we talk about Captain Power. Oh, oh, oh. So can I um, deviate from that and Babylon? Babylon. Okay, Brutal. Uh, Derek, please. Proceed. Did you know that the writer of this show was uh, the writer of Babylon 5? Yep, didn't know that. Oh, snap. So I stumbled on to some relevance. Slowly, yeah. <laughs> so stumbled usually yeah. fell into. I, I accidentally tripped and fell into this joke. Uh, right. This segue. Derek, Seg- take it away. You got it. So... I'll, I'll actually start this with something that I, I really enjoyed that the show did that I think not a lot of these shows do that we've been reviewing. And at the beginning of the show, Captain Power turns and he actually tells the story of like why we're here. So a lot of these shows, if you don't have any idea of the backstory, all of a sudden you're in post-apocalyptic space, whatever, or on some planet or whatnot. But Captain Power turns in the voiceover and he tells you basically what happened there was the metal wars where where man fought machines then they essentially killed off most of the humans then they created the bio dreads which are human uh ai machine hybrids and they hunt them down and then from that these small bands of humans started to band together he puts together the soldiers of the future using this armor that was developed by his father Mm -hmm. who's actually one of the guys who who started the whole ai thing um and then they fight and i thought that that was actually pretty good because I went into watching the episode and I was like, I don't remember any of this story. I just remember that there was a guy in gold armor, which in my five-year-old recreation or me being a five-year-old's recollection recollection of how his armor looked, Mm -hmm. I thought he looked like, you know, like Master Chief from Halo. Yeah, but none of the armor looks like it fits. Uh, No, because (laughs) it's really, really, really bad vacuum plastic that was like spray painted with Krylon acrylic metal fleck. Yeah. It's really bad. Like it's really, really bad. This was po- uh, it was pre three uh, D printing in the post three D printing era. <laughs> You're saying they were trying to emulate a technology that they knew was going to come. Yes. It no, it had already come, but because of the apocalypse, it's not there anymore. So they were three D printing with like. Um, Elmer's glue bottles and squirting it on to, you know, the forms by hand. I would buy that. I don't know if there are any good shots in this episode, but if you see them from overhead or from a long shot, they really do look like toys. Yes, very much. Oh, really? That armor is like totally what the toys look like. Um, and they also have for the uh, for Pilot, that character, mm-hmm. she has booby armor. Um 
which means our impractical armor is just spinning in its grave watching this show. Uh, what what was the time? Excuse me, on sir. That? You did not watch that. Captain Power himself has individual armor plates for each ass cheek. Mm. <laughs> they don't hang down from the torso protector like a modern piece of body armor. No, we are one gold <laughs> plate per cheek, <laughs> just in case of an errant laser bolt. I would <laughs> want that for myself. I want that. Uh, yeah, that's I, what got Forrest. I got to well, protect. Jumped up yeah. and bit me. I gotta if protect Forrest the twins. Had fucking ass armor, then he would have been able to save more guys. And in terms of practicality, if one of your ass cheeks gets shot, you don't want to replace the entire pant. Just want to replace the one molded armor butt cheek. So Good point, it, Mike. It's cost savings. Mm-hmm. And that, folks, is our accountant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always uh, thinking about money. That's like where you only wear armor, like the gladiators only wore armor on their sword arm, and their other arm was free. You could just wear it on your gun side. Yeah. One butt cheek. I would have gone with the, the B-17 thing in World War II when they looked at like planes coming back where the holes were, and then they figured out they needed to put armor where the holes weren't because the planes wouldn't come back. But no, we can go it. You're saying they inspected <laughs> Captain Power's butt, and they were like, he'd been shot through both cheeks. Wow. Yeah. And they said, dude, this is what we need. We you need, need two cheek ass armor. So it's also like the Hachigane. Um, like in, uh, it, it's very, it, it's popularized in Naruto, but it's the headband that has mm-hmm. the metal plate, and you only put it on the left, right, or front. And it was literally placed by a priest who would divine where the person was going to get hit on the head. And um, the people that came back alive obviously had the plate luckily on the right side of the like the correct side that they got hit. And they would spread this this talk that, you know, they were correct instead of just putting a metal plate, you know, around your entire head. You just put a plate on one piece of your headband, and then you'd put it on the left, right, or front of your head. That's that's a cheap-ass priest right there. It is. Metal must have been expensive. Uh, in Japan? Yes, it was very rare. The episode starts out, and if somebody can actually jog my memory on this because I didn't write it down. The, well, uh, the- I just want to point out that the beginning, at the end of the sequence, we learn the time-honored tradition that only white people survive the apocalypse. Oh, yes. uh, specifically a white German. Yes. Sven Ole Thorson. Was that who that was? Yes. He is also the villain in, a, in Abraxas and uh, sounds exactly like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's his real voice then. Well, so yeah. Once again. Well, he, he does that same voice in Abraxas. Piggybacking on the this is a direct ripoff of Terminator. <laughs> True. <laughs> no, I, I think it's more a ripoff of uh, Battlestar Galactica, because the uh, the robot army has like a one token human that controls them. It it's strong. Mm. It has a lot of strong influences in that you can smell the influence on them. You can smell the plagiarism. <laughs> yeah, there's also a ton of Star Wars ripoff that I oh, will yeah. get to. Uh, go ahead, Derek. What, what were you saying? Yeah, so the, the show starts out, and it finds our heroes uh, on a planet delivering medical supplies. I can't remember. They, they said at the beginning that they had just defeated somebody, and then some people were remaining back at base, and they were getting supplies outside of Dallas, so they're in Texas. 
yeah. So, anyways, our, our heroes are over in Texas. They exit their their spacecraft, whatever you want to call it, uh, and then we are introduced to two dudes who are hiding behind a hill. One guy is wearing Princess Leia's uh, cap from Return of the Jedi when she was on Endor. He got his whole outfit from the Star Wars Moons of Endor playset. Y- yes, he did. <laughs> uh, and then the other guy robbed Ted Nugent uh, and stole his cowboy hat. They're, they're observing the, uh, the the craft through their binoculars, which is a, a very, very meticulously applied blue filter over the actual footage with a binocular-shaped cutout in the middle. Hey, I have and one of those spoony hats. It doesn't really do anything other than be like, oh, and then some beeps and squeaks. Uh, and bloops. They, Don't forget about the, the beeps and yes. the bloops and the swoops and the sweeps. They're they're looking to break into the spacecraft, uh, which they do, and the guy stows away as the humans are not the humans, sorry, Captain Power and the other the soldiers of the future, I guess I should say, return to it and then take off and head back to base. Yeah, and, and the main spy is called Red Dog. He's Red Dog One. Yes, which is important a little bit later. Um, we also get a scene right in the middle there while he's trying to break into the, the transport ship of uh, Dread, our main bad guy, who looks like um, he's a Borg with a TeamSpeak headset, headset that's sliding off one side of his face. <laughs> watching them, and uh, I guess he's always watching them. We have a real like Skeletor situation here. Well, no, actually, there's a uh, a drone that shows up in the in the frame right before it cuts to him. Like mm-hmm. there is a a CGI looks honestly like one of the eyeball the floating eyeballs with wings from the Zelda series. Um, yeah, but like the beginning of the scene, he says, "Oh, Captain Power, once I figure out a a pattern to your um, to your movements, then I'll get you," or something like that. He's clearly like always watching. Captain Power. Yeah, I would. So the backstory on this guy is that Captain Power's dad and this guy were developing an AI to take control of all the bio. Uh, I forget what they called it, but like the sense they in the bio, future in twenty one. Were they called biodreads before? Yes. This? Yeah. So in twenty one thirty two, all the countries had developed uh, essentially uh, drones, like robo drones from Shadowrun, right? And the whole thing was no humans actually had to, to participate in combat anymore. And therefore, countries would fight co- wars with these drones. And so what Captain Powers' father and who, the guy who is now Lord Dread, Tiger. were trying to do. Yes, thank you. Uh, they were creating an AI that was going to take over all the Biodreads and essentially render them incompetent so that the war would be eradicated. Well, Taggart got upset that it was taking too long, and so he injected himself into the system uh, to give it a human conscience. Well, at that point in time, AI came alive, and it melded them together and created Lord Dread. Is this a situation of life imitating art, or it, it seems like they have predicted the proxy wars that of you know these like basically drones fighting the wars for us. Well, it, see, Mike, it's a little different for us in that our enemies can't afford drones, so it's just a proxy war for us. They are actually dying. <laughs> well, we're liberating them from their oil. Mm-hmm. Right. So, there's that. Anyways. 
My question is, they're going around digitizing people, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Isn't that basically the singularity? What of a bargain? You promised me flesh! Like, aren't all the humans now in, like, a post-scarcity utopia inside of um, the main database? So isn't, like, Captain Power just cock-blocking people from an awesome afterlife? Hmm. It's the Matrix question. Like, it's the point where he's like, I know this is steak, and I know that this is what's telling my brain what steak is supposed to taste like. You know, it's that whole point. Mm-hmm. But then Dozer do, kills him. Do the Borg like being Borg? <laughs> Probably. I, I mean, if everyone is happy with this single, singular consciousness, and they're all powerful, then it seems pretty awesome. It's the opposite of the American ideal of rugged individualism so that's why the Borg is so scary to Americans but I'm sure that there's many other cultures that would say everyone working together everyone's sharing the same goals that sounds great how come no one has an ideal of like smooth silky individualism I tried that because that doesn't translate into being a villain yeah I guess you have to cackle and say fracking a lot to be a villain also nowadays. So Red Dog successfully stows away on the ship as as they return to base and cue the next scene. Yeah, and um, I, I don't know really know what we're supposed to feel about Red Dog's character at this point because, no. like, I don't know how he made, like, breaking into this ship and hiding feel very date-rapey. He's just creepy the whole time. <laughs> The entire episode, including the very like the the end of the episode. Yes, when he gets the the hand, literally the hand grenade removed. Like he's a dick about it. He's, he's real he's, creepy the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He's the kind of guy who like wouldn't turn around if you were going to change your clothes. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you got, I think you got a good point there. <laughs> You would, like, take off your shirt. You're like, hey, we're going to go swimming. And you'd, like, take off your shirt. And he would just be standing there in the door to your room staring at you. <laughs> All right. So we uh, we then get a scene where Lord Dredd is in his, essentially, uh, the volcano, right? Like, what's it called? It's, Volcana? Uh, Volcana. Yeah, which is evidently outside Detroit. <laughs> if, if you read any of the lore on this. It's somewhere in Michigan. Seems legit. Um, I, I, do, I do think that Detroit would turn into a volcano and in the future a metal volcano and uh and, and kind of the big takeaway on this one is he's he's talking to the ai and whatever yeah. there overmind um yep overmind and then he he comes out and their their attempt at comedic relief is this garbage can of a robot named lackey lackey's yes. the best character <laughs> <laughs> i figured you'd like lackey first of all overmind looks like the worst anal beat ever Overmind looks like one of those things that you'd buy at Spencer's Gift back in the day. Yeah, sure. Lackey is part of the mid-season twist. Oh. So, so now, what's the name of the, of the uh, really big bio-dread that shows up later? I don't know. He should be named Tank, but they already named one of the heroes Tank. Right, one of the characters' <laughs> name is Tank. Yes. Anyway, he was supposed to be, like, mass-produced. The uh, bio-dreads were starting up a factory to create a whole bunch of him. But then, uh, like... The heroes, like, sweep in and, like, cut the power source. Not quite in time, though, because they managed to produce 
one and a half of these new biodreads. Because <laughs> so, that's like how a, factories work. They're, they're yeah. a half-assed enemy. So Lackey is actually was supposed to be the other like main villain that shows up in the show. He's supposed to be like another one of him, but he wasn't completed. I love it. I love Lackey. He looks like a sideways version of number five from Short Circuit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly what I was looking for. So wait, hold on, David. You're telling me that they produced Lackey in the show. Lackey was is fifty percent complete. So they yeah. literally came up with a retarded robot oh. to be the oh. villain's He's disabled. <laughs> Okay, fine. We'll use disabled. We'll, we'll use not complete. I don't. I mean, we're talking about like, hey, you are being genetically constructed, and then it stopped. And so this is what you get, which is why he refers to himself. I'm lackey. What? Well, here's my here's my <laughs> that question is some on 1980s level <laughs> shit that wouldn't fly today. Here's my whole question on that: is they never built a prototype? Like they didn't have parts that they could like attach to lackey to finish him up? Like it couldn't <laughs> so have been lackey, that hard. Is well, Lackey maybe... the one, or is he the half? He's the half. <laughs> that is awful. Well, at any rate, Dredd got narked on because he's he has been displaying emotions, and he suspects Lackey. He mm. knows Lackey's up to it. And this scene was very Star Wars. He looks yes. like he's wearing Darth Vader's underwear. <laughs> I mean, even yes, you're right. The way that he leaves the room and turns and yeah. like the at, at one His point cape. I, I I didn't what's that? His cape. Yeah, the cape. At one point, uh, the doors open and the light comes underneath the door, and the door is, is some sort of like triangular shape, which elicits essentially the whole uh, Empire Strikes Back, where Darth Vader's in his chamber and it opens up for the first time. You see the white around the the black you know sphere that's coming in in, in half there. So yeah. So anyways, after that, we get back to old uh, Red Dog, who's on the ship, and our soldiers of the future have left the ship, and he is now trying to escape. Uh, and he almost blows the ship up, and the only reason that I bring this up is because it is mentioned multiple times in this show that Captain Powers is a real big fan of self-destructing all of his yeah. shit. Yes. He <laughs> wants to blow up his plane ship, he wants to blow up his base, he wants to blow up his friends... He just wants to blow <laughs> all of them up. <laughs> when he detects the intruder, he immediately goes to Captain Picard the base. <laughs> yeah. He goes to fucking uh, Ultra, which, which is coming up here. But real quick, uh, we then get to, to Pilot, right? Uh, yeah, Lady Corporal Soldier. Jennifer Chase, the one who ends up sacrificing herself at the end of this Mike, this don't. And she is talking to the AI that they have at base, who is actually Captain Powers' dad. Well, he's, manifested. He's, he looks like Captain Powers' dad. Right, no, that's the, the AI that they have built use him as the way of communicating with the people. It's not Captain Powers' actual father. His actual father was presumed dead, though there's been suspicions in the writing of the show that he is alive. But when they talk to him, that is the man that you're seeing. And she's talking about how she was raised as, as one of the Biodread kids and whatnot, and she's doing her studies with him. Oh, yes, the... The Biodread Youth. Yes. What, like the uh, what, youth. What's the time mark yeah. on us uh, on this right now? We're at 8, about 40, because I want to get to something that just pops the fuck up in this. Look for the hologram in the uh, in the in the column of mist. Mm-hmm. That's yes. sort of evocative of uh, 
Sequest. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, the the hologram I wanted to talk about because that's like the extent of cutting edge technology back then that seemed like it was otherworldly. Where you it's point like a projector you, at some fog. Yeah, you point a projector at some fog, and it magically looks like there's a 3D image there. I feel like this scene, Derek, really brought home the beautiful marriage of lazy writing and bad acting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was <laughs> it was bookended at 8.43 by she goes, what's love? And he's like, like lovers? And she says, yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a CGI dude like in a taking a shit pose moving across the fucking screen out of nowhere. This <laughs> is fucking amazing. It is my most he was favorite sneaking. part of this episode. He mm-hmm. was clearly sneaking while. I love that scene. <laughs> It's just like two seconds of yeah. like of of what the fuck. <laughs> it, it, it's just there's nothing because Lord Dread dispatches the guy to go back to where Ted Nugent and Princess Leia were hanging out where the ship landed, which the the guy can fly. He has wings, so I have no fucking idea why at eight forty three in this episode he's just. There, there are two CGI bio dreads. <gasps> oh, okay. One of them has wings, and he's around since the first episode. But okay. he can actually be shot up and, like, wounded and have to retreat. The second one is, like, the new one that was that they were trying to mass-produce. That's He's ground-based, but he's a lot tougher to damage. Okay. okay. Can we also and then talk he, about how... And, and, then and, he, he is. and he walks around like a creeper. <laughs> he's like this. Yeah. I also nope. want to point out how underutilized <laughs> That's good podcasting, spirals. Derek. What's that? It's That's good podcast. podcasting. I know, but I just this is I, I, the first time this like I watched this episode. I went, "What the fuck was that?" And then went back and watched it multiple times. I just like that she's she's like looking for a definition of a definition of love, and uh, and and he asks uh, lovers, and she's like, "Yeah, lovers," and he's like, "Computing," and I swear to God, he's just downloading the entire database of porno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, and you can see the guy that snuck into the bit into the base, like around the corner, like looking in and like smiling. And oh yeah, real slow. yeah, super creepy he's thing. A rapist. And he brings it up later. He's like, yeah. Or you could ask about lovers, and you're just like, oh, fucking cringe, bro. He's he's just like, oh yeah, I, I want these people to be my two teammates, so I'm going to do my best to alienate them all. Yes, I want them all to hate me. So it's about that time he puts out a communication to uh, Ted Nugent, and all of a sudden that is picked up, which then prompts Captain Powers to put on an ultraviolet alert, uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> mention blowing the base up. That's very yeah, dangerous. <laughs> ultraviolet is the most dangerous alert. Yeah, I, he's like set condition ultraviolet. We might have to blow our base up. And you're just like, okay, it's an it's an alert so extreme you can't even fucking see it. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, they. Uh, by the way, did you notice that the base had a spiral staircase in it? Yes. yes. Okay. Thank you. I was going <laughs> to talk about how underutilized spiral staircases are. <laughs> Other than the fact that they're. Like, I would love for spiral staircases to be used more other than when you're trying to move shit in and out of your house and you're like, oh, crap. We have a spiral staircase. How are we going to get this 
freaking couch in here. This is why, like, in sitcoms from the 80s in New York, when you had a spiral staircase, the wacky neighbor or wacky roommate always lived up there. Because the only thing you can put up there is fucking drag a futon. That's the only (laughs) thing that will go up a spiral spiral staircase. I I hope that when Elon Musk builds his Mars spaceship, it's just nothing but spiral staircases. Like, because obviously the ship is going to be kind of cramped. So everything has to be cylinder shaped and they're going to (laughs) transport it in before the staircase is actually installed. They're going to have the, the circular hole in the floor and the wall, and they're going to transport these cylinders of beds and cylinder fridges and cylinder couches and basically shove them up these holes and then install the <laughs> staircase <laughs> after the fact. I wow. Could, I could see Elon Musk quickly. being <laughs> I could see Elon that, Musk being the kind of guy who still sleeps on a futon and, and yes. like insists that it's great. And yes, yeah. that escalated very quickly. Did you, did anybody so, know that guy in like just after college or like maybe a little too long into his mid thirties who insisted that the futon mattress was the best, most comfortable mattress. No, but it doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Yeah. I knew that guy. Were you that guy? No, (laughs) he was very, he was very tired all the time. (laughs) The name of the, it's the scene from star Wars. We're like, yes, I know him. He's me. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, they roll up uh, – well, actually, going back to the spiral staircase thing. So we actually – when we were buying a house out here, we, we had looked at a house and actually considered putting in an offer on a house with a spiral staircase. But it was up to kind of like a crow's nest style room on the top of the roof, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, a, a, like a gabled structure. With like a widow's walk? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. widow's walk or the widow's watch or whatever. That's a legitimate use of a spiral staircase right. because <laughs> you're not – the only thing that you're going to do is walk up there and watch for, you know, your spouse's return from the sea. Yeah, you all could, you do – that's like, easily you, They could call that the crying and masturbating bed. room. Yeah. <laughs> As you look out across the chest peak, just – Yeah. So I have to say that uh, this was actually my favorite part of the show because – I felt like uh, Captain Power and his crew reacted both very quickly, efficiently, and um, seemed very competent. And in most other like cartoons and shows of this ilk, there would be a whole lot of hijinks trying to catch this guy. But no, they like very quickly figured out what they had to do, that they'd been infiltrated, and uh, caught him on his like first broadcast. Um, they actually acted like they were some sort of um, competent military unit. Oh, yeah. Captain Powers, as soon as he kind of figured out where he was, he had him dead to rights, and they knocked over all the fuel barrels on top of him. So overall, like, A-plus response time. When they catch Red Dog, he seems kind of into it. He likes getting yeah. caught. This is like a little uh, S&M game for him. Yes. He's he's got some one-liners in there, and actually, to be honest, I thought he was one of the better actors in the uh, show. Uh, but he also a, was delivering one-liners the entire time. There's a scene later when he acts really hard, and he really acts, and there's all this extra acting that he didn't use that he's just like is pumping out all over the screen, and it's not good. 
By the way, did you know that the girl who plays Pilot, the one who's asking about lovers, was actually the space shuttle pilot in Armageddon? Whoa. She was the female shuttle oh. pilot. Yeah. See, the only thing I recognized her from was Earth 2. Yes. It sounds like she's had a real B-level career here. She she actually has. If you go look at her <laughs> filmography on uh, on Wikipedia, it's quite long, and it's all B-films. Like She's probably made a good grip of money just being a B-list actress. Sounds awesome. I want to be a B-list actress. Yeah, good for her. So, all right, so they capture the dude, and at about the same time, Lord Dredd's uh, forces roll up Ted Nugent over in uh, just outside Dallas, and they put out a, a broadcast to Red Dog that essentially says, hey, you got to come back. And Red Dog immediately recognizes this as suspicious because his code name is not used. And there's a couple other things on it. He's, he doesn't like, I believe, the, uh, the kind of like the imminent nature of it. Like he's like, this isn't right. This isn't how we train. This isn't how we, we He broke radio whatever. silence and he didn't use their code names. Yes. Uh, and then so he convinces the soldiers of the future to let him get on the uh, get on the the net or whatever and talk to Ted Nugent. And it is very apparent that it is Lord Dredd's forces right away to our heroes because he says, hey, what's the authenticating password? And the uh, the bad guys who now have Ted Nugent immediately respond. There's no time for that. Yeah. Th- and this is the robot like just doing the voice of his the voice. Yes. The scene from Terminator 2. There's a couple things that happen, like, uh, kind of before this when they're interrogating that I just want to touch on. So they interrogate um, Red Dog, and uh, Tank seems very aggressive. Uh, both Hank, uh, Hawk, and Tank, they look a little tubby to maybe be doing what they're doing. Uh, but Tank, uh, he talks real tough, and he's, the way he says secret is so delicious. He says it like the word secrete. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's so beautiful the way he says that, that particular word. Is it like moist? It is. It's deliciously terrible. Um, and then uh, just before they're going to go out, uh, all of the soldiers of the future, they power up through a, a sequence of putting their hands very close to each other on lights. And then they are sort of electrified into having their armor on. And um, this whole sequence is really watched by Red Dog, like he's found a peephole into the girls' locker room. Like, his facial reactions are <laughs> disgusting, porky's-level horrible. He's, a, he's, he's so creepy. Uh, I, I can't figure out what his fetish is. He might be a sub. He might be a technophile. I don't know. Yeah, he, he <laughs> likes it quite a bit. Oh, he's quite pervy about it. Is that is that where you? Uh, I'm actually going back and watching it right now. Where he's like, <laughs> yeah, good, again, good podcasting, Derek. It's it's that meme of Vince McMahon that goes around, where he's in his chair and it's the ascending levels of stuff. Right, he gets more and more excited. Uh, so it shows our heroes in their in their armor. Uh, my favorite is how Captain Powers' visor is never like directly across his face <laughs> it's always his fun. hat is always like hel- hilariously <laughs> off kilter yes his armor looks absurd it's terrible this is the part where we get to see his butt plates by the way mm, uh, where they God. turn and walk out let me see if i can get a timestamp on it it only is but one they butt turn plate, w- by the way he's got 
individual gold plates on his ass cheeks. All right, I'm on, I'm I'm at thirteen twenty two, and I see they are segmented, but it's one clear butt plate. All right, there you go. This is the scene where uh, Red Dog acts so hard that he almost dies from so much acting. <laughs> Uh, in which, uh, in, in which he, um, for the team leader of the team he's trying to join, he threatens his life if he's not allowed to do what he wants, which is really he, what I want in a team member. He does that multiple times in the in the episode when he brings up like, "We want to join your team." He does it at the end too. He's just like, "What's your call?" And you're just like, "Ah, oh, dude, you are not really you're not vibing with the team dynamic here." So, so he's, he's threatening his own life. Yes. My question is, did those helmets exist back then? Like, could you purchase one as a child and wear it? Because if not, that is a goldenly missed opportunity. Hell with the, the, hell with the toys and the, and, and the action figures. If I could not wear a off-kiltered helmet, that is a goldenly <laughs> missed opportunity. All right, so our heroes, our heroes find uh, oh, give unconscious us a, Ted Nugent. Give us a timestamp. Jesus Christ, Mike! For the I, I for the know, for the like viewers, fifteen. No, 20, for you because you haven't watched it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the syringe scene happens right at about fifteen thirty ish, and then this brings me to to a question, David. So the CGI bio dread, the well, it's not a bio dread, the CGI dread. Is mm-hmm. this the ground-based dude? Yeah, the one that's like sort of cat-based. Yeah, he's got he's got shields on his arms. And he shoots like yeah. the Gatling gun lasers out of his fingers. Yeah, right. The, and he he moves like he's taking a shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, right at about they they give him the syringe to the neck, and I don't know if I'm the only one who picked up on it, but it is very clear that the syringe doesn't come in contact with his neck to give him the sleeping solution at all it looks pretty bad it's really bad uh that brings us very directly into the next uh mention of captain power wanting to blow stuff up is he puts a grenade on the wrist of red dog um and he says hey if if you betray us we're gonna blow you up you just we've got a time bomb strapped to your arm that's not some terrorist level shit yeah and then he just boots him out of the uh the flyer to go meet all the um, baddies on his own. Yeah. Um, so these these baddies, the guys with the orange things on their chest, the biodreads, the the human biodreads, are these people who've been digitized, or what no, are well, they? When people are digitized, they're sent into a virtual world. It's okay, like, so it's like in a Captain N. Like that kid was digitized. Okay, then what is who are? Because it's are they supposed to be robots? I mean, it, it's very very clear uh, that the CGI dude is a robot, right? But right. then he has a bunch of other forces around him who are wearing silver bodysuits, and then they have these these orange almost A shaped things on their chest. Yeah, the, the, the big the big glowing be, red targets. Yeah, those bio. are supposed to be. Those are the things you're supposed to shoot at with your airplane toy. Yeah, the, right. Yeah, they're biomechs. 
Yeah, those are the cheap robots that they can actually mass produce. But, okay, gotcha. But there are also the Dread Youth, who are... I, I, I think they have, like, open face masks. Okay. And they're like... I don't think they're in this episode. Mm-hmm. And they're they're flat-out humans. Yeah, they're they're humans. Open face sandwich. Gotcha. So, yeah, so they, they kick Red Dog out. He's got a grenade on his arm. He goes and he finds Ted Nugent... And all of a sudden, the 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 dread mech, bio dread, whatever you want to call him, the guy who was taking a shit, moving across screen at eight forty three, shows up, gets the drop on him, and what happens? He says, "Get him," or something to that effect. And oh. then the soldiers of the future <laughs> open up with their blue blasters versus the bad guys with their red blasters. Yeah. In well, yeah. the. This was back when the laser tag was huge. <laughs> okay, I found the, the, the big robot's name. His name is Blastar. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Blastar the Bumbarian. Okay. With two R's, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so rad. Dude, that is that whole, like, IP appropriation that this show has done. Like, wasn't Thundar two R's? Yep. Yeah. And so was Bravestar. Yeah. I wonder. Okay. So by adding a letter, <laughs> do you does think it that really? That... <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the one universe theory. <laughs> yeah, we'll but do that. you does think that that, really... that was a basis for the upgrade double D for double pleasure D. joke? <laughs> yes. In idiocracy, it had to be like because if that's the case, that's very intelligent in my opinion. The extra D is for a double dose of pimping. Yeah, upgrade. So this fight, this whole fight scene is pretty intense, actually. Like, I was kind of surprised. Like, all of their, they don't just, like, shoot off individual lasers. All of their guns are essentially machine guns in some of the later scenes. Except the bad guys. The bad guys have single shots. The good guys have have machine guns. And then the, the CGI dude has five fingers worth of machine guns. Yes. But they're not strong enough to penetrate a single tree. Like, the, the lasers are effectively stopped by uh, saplings. Yeah, birch, birch bark is, is resistant to lasers. <laughs> I didn't it's a, know it's that. It's a known, well, known commodity. So, yes, uh, lasers uh, heat up, and um, trees have a lot of water, so the water absorbs the excess heat and therefore <laughs> dampers the uh, destructive effects of the laser. So you're saying, like, on the inside, these trees are essentially, they're boiling to death. I would assume that these lasers are probably a microwave. So, yes, they boil the inside of the trees, but the trees show no outward sign of destruction. Right. It's elementary. Well, yes. I guess I got a science lesson. So there, there are two individuals on the, uh, in the fighting so there's there's a guy who flies around, or an individual who flies around, wings on their back. Is that uh, mm-hmm. Corporal Jen Chase? Pilot? No, that's Hawk, I think. Yeah, that's 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 the older guy. Okay, and then who rides the uh, the airborne tricycle bicycle? I think, I think that's Baker. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, that's because he's on a scout bike. No, yeah. another ripoff from Star Wars. He's on a speeder bike. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, they, they engage with the Biodreads. Uh, a large laser gun battle ensues in which the large CGI guy is 
is destroyed at the end of it after Tank hits him with a laser bazooka. Well, it brings him to his knees, and that's actually a bit surprising to me because I don't remember him even being damaged that much that he stopped. <laughs> I, like, I love that you have, like, a mental scale for the relative power of each of these baddies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why they built, like, those ground-based guys. That Well, they're trying to build those ground-based guys because they're uh, so much tougher to bring down. And then Tank opens his his helmet, and you can tell it's really cheaply made. Like mm. he's like tries to get it open, and it opens, and it's off kilter, just just like Captain Powers. <laughs> also, yeah. if we want to get into the science of things for a moment mm-hmm. here, yeah. yeah, the the bad guys have red lasers, uh, and as I said before, the microwaves microwaves are actually invisible so you wouldn't be able to see them so if they're shooting out red lasers they would be on the um lower uh wavelength end of the spectrum so the bad guys are closer to microwaves but if the blue if the good guys have blue lasers in terms of visible light they're actually more towards the ultraviolet spectrum oh like set condition ultraviolet whoa so There you go. So it's actually the good guys actually have a more powerful beam of weapon in the ultraviolet towards, you know, the X-rays and gamma rays end of the the light spectrum, whereas the bad guys have a more uh, lower wavelength and more deeply penetrating infrared microwave radio wave spectrum. Neat. Do you think I don't want a gun with a gamma wave because then you just make a bunch of hulks. But too much gamma can still be bad. Oh, so you have to shoot them a lot. Directly in the nuts. Then they can't have mm, kids. It's so it's, it's right. the long game, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your side will win eventually. <laughs> so so we're, we're almost done to the end of the episode, and then we can get into the, the shenanigans of the podcast here. Uh, the, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, no. The, uh, the note that I wrote for that fight was... I quote, this is campy as all capitals, fuck. Like, it was really bad. Like, it was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, the ver- the final scene of the episode, they're outside the landing craft again. Captain Power is talking to Red Dog, who we have we have known at this point for at least a little bit. His name is Andy. Uh, his, his, his full name is Andy Jackson, which is said kind of in bits and pieces throughout the episode. And then that's the guy I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Andy Jackson was going to come back later in season two and be Corporal So and So. I think Andy TNT. Jackson. Well, no, he, oh he yeah, had a different he has a good name. code like, name. Yeah, he has, a, he has a code name when he comes back, and I believe his call sign was going to be TNT. Um, <laughs> but anyways, he's talking to Captain Powers, and he's like, "Yeah, we we wanted to join your team," and just like Matt said, he was being real creepy about it. He was like, "Yeah, so." I've watched you guys change, so it should be on your team. Yeah, he's he's I, like he we've been observing you, and then he uh, and then he turns in uh, pilot for looking up love, right? And it, he essentially extorts Captain Power into being like, "You don't want some guy knowing where your base is." And I honestly thought Captain Power was gonna be like, "Yeah, good call, boop, and blow him <laughs> up." Right? Like, yeah, I don't want anybody knowing my fucking bases. Right? And he's like, "Excellent." Excellent choice. He takes the risk grenade off of him, uh, and then in one. I think he should have just garroted him. <laughs> yeah, just. in one last move of like creepily licking his lips, 
like he looks at at Pilot, who's evidently the underage girl here who came from the bio dread children, right? Who's trying to figure out what like romantic love is, and he's like, "You can teach her about lovers," and you're just like. Bro, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> and then him and Ted Nugent walk off into the sunset. Yeah. Finn. That was pretty much the episode. Yeah, he has no people skills. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess if you were like some dude in the apocalypse and Ted Nugent was your sidekick fighting robo-mech humans, your people skills would go out the window. So, so they're going to replace the only woman on the team with a southern general in season two. <laughs> that they were they were going to bring another female in, and that female was going to be Captain Power's love interest. But it didn't happen. They didn't no, make season they two. They didn't make season two. They wrote a whole bunch of episodes. They're available on Wikipedia, but they never yeah. produced them. Because the so, show is garbage. It's terrible. Uh, it's so final, bad. <laughs> final note. We can get into the jokes here in a second. Uh, final note. In the credits, they have one of the sequences for the 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 game, too. Right. Um, it's I always the I same sequence. What... Oh, it's always the same? Yeah, for every yeah. episode. Oh, uh, okay. It's essentially so you can say... rack up points. Gotcha. I thought it was... It would have been cool if it was... If it was different every time, it would be certainly know, less annoying. But <laughs> David, <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's Captain Power. Um, man, so if he gets promoted, does he become Major Power? Yeah, that's kind of my problem with a lot of these. Uh, well, first of all, his whole team is much too high ranking. Like it seems top heavy. Yeah, very top heavy. Um. First off, if you're the leader of the team, you should probably have the highest rank on the team. <laughs> Just saying. What? But no. Um, no, they, they, it's they gave because, the... Because there's a lieutenant on the team? Uh, well, no, he's Captain Power, but then there's there's Major. <laughs> yeah. Like So Major's the guy who's in charge, and... I'm assuming we're using army ranks unless Captain Power is just a Navy captain out of fucking nowhere. Ooh. Who knows? You know. Well, actually, there's a there's a, a good precedence that um, in space, naval <laughs> ranks uh, are probably going to be the more prevalent ones because um, it, in terms of space battles and stuff like that, the Navy is most suited for extended engagements and extended employment uh, deployments and whatnot. So, and, and if you look at the naming of most ships that are in uh, these sci-fi space, you have battle cruisers and battleships and uh, frigates and stuff like that. These are all naval naming conventions. So, and yet in the space force, we went right. with guardians and air force rank because we're fully fucking stupid. No, it's because they probably took most of the people from the air force. Um, yeah, it was to, a, po- uh, was a poaching uh, to form the new service. Yeah, yes and no. Okay, but we're not. On. But the show is not oh. in space. Yeah, no, the show the show's not in space. I'm no, they just teleport around. They have teleporters. Yeah, 
the the reason that the space command was created was because each each service had their own doctrine of space and that there were certain semantics that you could not use like you could not use space and warfare connected together in in the same sentence or paragraph or page or whatever you could not connect them. Well, yeah, the Outer Space Treaty of 1987 prohibits the weaponization of space. Right, but you couldn't even say it in in the way that because there was no space force. You couldn't be like, hey, there, there could be warfare aspects of space or whatever. And by creating the space force, they're circumventing the ability to do that. Uh, should they be called Guardians? No, it's fucking stupid. Should they be called Air Force Ranks? No, it's fucking stupid. I agree with Mike. It should be like, you're the Vice Admiral of Space. Like, Look, as soon as we start... Vice Admiral of Space. As, as soon as we start developing... Well, and that makes fully, sense when you have a fleet... Fully weaponized fleets, then yes, it will shift to Navy. But for now, Air Force had claimed that everything in the sky and above is their realm. So uh, how many tanks do you see flying around? So the Army doesn't get space. The Army sticks on the ground. The Navy stays to the water. And the Marines get the, the, the land and the water. No, I think we should get more and more specialized as we get higher. So we should have each of the different layers of the uh, uh, stratosphere. Oh, yeah, out of stratosphere, it should be a different force. Uh, the the, tro- the troposphere tribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fuck, yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I the ionosphere that. that gets its the ionosphere warriors, whatever. Each one gets its own distinct branch of the military. Yes. So at some point they'll get high enough that they could be called angels. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's better than fucking Guardians. Hey, I'm just saying. Mm, well, I, I can uh, see how, anyway. you, how you look at the armed forces, Mike. Hey, uh, Archangel. Yes. How cool would a rank of Archangel be? <laughs> <laughs> would you be. Here's the question Would you be Archangel Michael? Like, Archangel Michael, that's badass. No, you are. Your first name is deleted in the military. <laughs> this is my rifle. <sighs> Anyways, so back to Captain Power. Uh, this show, even though it had a very, very special place in my heart, uh, <laughs> being the first lunchbox I ever owned, <laughs> is objectively <laughs> fucking trash. Oh, it's such garbage. <laughs> it's so bad. The acting is terrible. The writing is terrible. And it's funny because I read a bunch of stuff about how the writers of this show were, were very, very – they were upset that, that people were, like, essentially being like, oh, you're ripping off Terminator, Star Wars, whatever. And they're like, no, we're, we're writing our own show. And you're like, dude, this is, this is so bad. Like, there's no – wow. Here's my suggestion on that. My suggestion is, um, what's his name? The writers, uh, Solinsky. What's? Do you guys remember? Yeah, it's something like that. I mean, but think about it. the guy who wrote it, Straczynski. Yes, wrote Babylon Five. Yes, and, and I think he parlayed was... this show to try to get him his big, those bigger gigs. So he really talked it up. It was a stepping stone, right? Or is this was this before or after? I I'm just that's what I think. He was one of the writers on Thor. Like, so he's he's got some stuff there that you're like, wow, okay, you wrote some really good shit, but you also wrote Captain Power. Now, he was born in 54, and Captain Power came out in 87, so he was 33 years old, so he would have been a new writer at the time, and they're like, here's some trash. 
write some <laughs> write some shit. I for think it. I think he must have talked up this show to get some of those higher level gigs because he goes to Babylon Five very quickly. Babylon Five was what ninety three. Not every alchemist comes out with gold their first time around, or even on their last time around. Sometimes you come up with gold, sometimes you come up with lead. And it's about the long term, you know, so he came out with Babylon 5, so can we forgive him for Captain Power because of this? (laughs) It appeared in 1994. Oh, it premiered in 4? Yeah. Okay. Okay. He is the guy, and that's the, that's the thing too. Is it, he's not a member of a writing team for Babylon Five. He is the guy who created it. Yes, he's a producer and writer. Yeah, like there's no like he's the Spielberg of Babylon Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's that's the Gene it. Roddenberry of that particular little disgusting verse. Look, you can't say that every piece of shit that you ever put I out liked is, Babylon Five. <laughs> I've never going to be, seen it. Is is going to be huh? good. I've never actually seen it. I think I saw like 15 <laughs> minutes of one episode and I got bored. It doesn't age well, but it's a, it was well, a good it, show back then. Again, it's heavily CGI based. and yeah. the CGI that, back then was Mickey Mouse level shit. It's quite a leap above this show, but still. It was better than this. Well, I'm sure it had a bigger budget than this. I think I quit... I think it was I couldn't I didn't watch it because I couldn't understand what was going on because so much of the plot was so long term. I think that's yeah. probably what happened. Okay. Well, it's like watching Star Trek back when we were five years old. It didn't make sense to us, so you know, why would we watch it? So Captain Power had a budget of like a thousand or not? Sorry, not a thousand. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be terrible. <laughs> like about a million bucks an episode. Wow! Like Captain Power was well funded. Yes, that's why one of the reasons why they quit making it as well because it was much more expensive than a cartoon, but the viewership wasn't. Yeah, this yeah. was CGI in the eighties, so even though it was terrible, it was still really expensive. Uh, well, this show was really, a little, I think, to back up what you said, Derek, this show was a trifecta of bad acting, bad writing, and terrible effects. Yeah. Um, costumes were like hilarious. Um, the only thing I would say is a lot of the set design was pretty good. I liked yeah. the I liked the way the sets looked. They spend all their money on the sets. Yeah, it, it was really there in the eighties grittiness. Yeah, like there was a couple scenes where they have like um this like a uh, computer on a dolly tray kind of setup that they spin around and like the whole control center was there was like some cool little touches and bits when they when they did them. I actually also like the uh, the exterior, like the the scene where the fight took place, or where Ted Nugent got the sleeping, you know, injection in his neck or whatever. Um, and one of the things that it reminded me of is what was the Star Trek episode that we were talking about, where like the pool of evil or whatever, and it kills Armus. Is, is that it? it, it oh, was skin, of yeah, remember, skin of evil. Yeah, I remember watching as a young child, and I went back and watched it one one night after podcasting because we were talking about it. And that set, and this is Star Trek, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Star Trek is, is an established franchise, been around for 70 years now, right? Mm-hmm. Even in the next generation, that set looked shittier yeah. than the the battle scene here in Captain Power. Yes. Like, it, the battle, like, it, it conveyed post-apocalyptic, you know, like, 
I feel like I'm describing a wine. It's got notes of Terminator. Yeah, like the blocking the, of the Last of Us. <laughs> the blocking, the acting, the way it's shot is all horrible. But the yes. the actual locations and effects in the background were very competent. It looked like it didn't feel cheap, but you it also didn't feel like um, they had any money. Like that's the feeling was I like got they, they were very good, but they were given no money to work with. But they did some really cool stuff. Yeah, they spent all their money on the CGI. They they did the opposite of Thrones season one through six. And they did exactly what Thrones season seven and eight did. They blew <laughs> all their budget on CGI and none on storytelling. Fucking full scent, boys. Yeah, I think with the Star Trek, one of the things is when you get like that higher budget, you try to build all these things like on a soundstage and everything looks too clean. Like these lower budget productions, they go to like some sort of real world location and everything's all nice and gritty. And looks more a lot more realistic. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That that one scene in that episode of Next Generation was very clearly a soundstage. You know, yeah. the rocks were big blocks of styrofoam, whereas this was probably <laughs> like one of some, one of the extras' backyard. And they're like, uh, "Hey, dude, can we do a fight scene in your burn pit?" And he's like, "Yeah, whatever." I mean, that's why. Like, that's why. Um, if you want to be a science fiction or an action star, you do a series because it's much nicer to shoot. You don't have to fucking travel out into the woods or, uh, you know, uh, go find a real location because everything will be done on soundstage B. And then you can go home at five and fucking have your glass of wine. <laughs> oh, a long day of fighting on a spaceship. No big deal. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, no, this this show... Did not stand the test of time. I mean, I guess it'll always have a special place in my heart. Like, I enjoyed it as a kid to the tune that I had the, had the lunchbox in, you know, kindergarten. But, uh, boy. <sighs> like, I remember Captain Powers. Like, one of the big glaring things for me is I remember Captain Powers' armor being awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel like I could go polish off a 30 rack be blackout hammered and make better looking armor from shit that I have laying around my barn and wake up the next day and be like what, what did I do last night oh look at this cool looking Captain Power armor I made I've actually it's seen terrible. I've actually seen better um, armor and weapons at the local laser tag place Ooh. oh yeah and Solid I mean, burn. It, it's not even not even fair to compare it to this but like modern cosplayers are producing stuff that's not even close. Cosplayers. It's with an S, not a Z. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, holy, you make me sick. Holy shit. Wait. <laughs> Time out. It's not a cosplayer. Oh, Derek. Disgusting. <laughs> it's dis- Hold on. Did anybody else in this fucking video chat know that it's pronounced GIF and not GIF? Because it's an S, not a Z. <laughs> <laughs> I had no fucking idea. Mm. This is just Mike's area of expertise, you know. Yeah. He's one of those well. perverts. <laughs> I, I consider myself a <laughs> connoisseur of cosplay. <laughs> Cos. 
Yeah. That's just the noise he makes when he's looking at it. Just, just remember, in, in subsequent conversations, we'll, we'll call it cosplay. Cosplay. Wow. I appreciate the subsequent and not subsequent. It's good. Cosplay. It's, uh, it's almost the way Tank says secret. It, it's costume play, not costume play. Derek, oh, you, it's, dis- <laughs> it's disgusting how ignorant you are. I know, right? I'm just going to cancel myself. It's a good thing we have zero online presence. You can't be canceled if you're not online. That's good. You understand this? Okay. No, uh, no, we have. We, I, I'm sure. I'm sure both of our listeners won't cancel us. So my other uh, Captain Power memory as a child, I remember like when the commercials came on and they said you can interact with the show. Like, as a child, I was like, that's bullshit. Our television doesn't work that way. It doesn't send signals to the studio. And I'm pretty sure this is pre-taped. Which is amazing now that you can do that. That the, There's the choose-your-own-adventure type shows. But they've tried that to some extent for a long time. But, yeah, they were lying to us back then. Yeah, I just remember, like, really bulking at the idea that it was interactive and that Anything I did could possibly change, like what was broadcast <laughs> wasn't to, there the, s- to the sh- screen. Uh, wasn't there some show? Was it was it Captain Power that had a little um, light meter thingy that you could shoot at the screen and it could do yeah. something? Yeah. Where have you been for the last two hours? Uh, <laughs> we seriously yeah. have talked about this Leg day. multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were uh, little airplanes, and uh, as I remember, yeah. they had little dudes in them. They would sit in the cockpit, and they were like G.I. Joe-sized, a little smaller. And um, you could, if you did one of the videos, it was possible to, quote-unquote, get hit by one of yes. the by one of the lasers on the show. And uh, too many hits, and your little guy would pop out of the cockpit. Yep, he would eject himself. I, you could also eject him from a button on the top too, but yeah, Matt, it was once it, once it racked up whatever the count was for however all that worked. But I feel I feel like it would have been like shoot shoot shoot. I have no idea. Shoot shoot shoot. It could not have been very hard. Uh, again, Derek, great visual work on this audio podcast. Hold on, guys. I will I'm explain shooting. his mime expression. I'm now shooting turning at us. my gun 90 degrees to the screen. Now I'm bringing it back to engage again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to 90 degrees off. He was shooting at us, then he was shooting away. And when he was pointing it yes. at us, he would say, shoot, shoot, shoot. Exactly. Shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> I don't really know how much there else is to to dissect on this episode. It was just, I feel like the last couple ones I've done have, have been like extraordinarily simple in plot, writing, acting, execution, and then the the mass consensus at the end has been, this was bad. Why did we like this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is aimed at children, and I think they did like the minimum amount of work necessary to entertain children. <laughs> bring this back to the point that Mike made at the very beginning of this like he was like hey my son my young son Mike how old's your kid how's how's your boy five yeah so five-year-old mini Mike which is the same age as Derek when he watched this show would love it 
Like I loved it as a little kid. But it's you're right. It's it's the just amount of eye candy and not eye candy meaning boobies, but the amount of eye candy to a five year old that's gonna keep him entertained. There's laser gun fights, there's, you know, cool looking bad guys. He doesn't give a shit what the plot yeah. is. Lasers, robots, power suits, spaceships. Spaceships. Boom. Mm-hmm. Coy sexual tension. <laughs> it's a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five I, yeah David, you're right. It's not a spaceship. It's the same. Whatever you want to call, classify the X-Men. It's a landing blackbird. craft. It's a, it's a lav. Transport. We're going to get into shadow run mm-hmm. rolls. So, so we were, we were talking about uh, current children and whether or not they should watch it. Oh yes, uh, yes. Matt. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with nope. It's not good. Also, it's very confusing as to whom it's speaking to. So I'd be afraid they'd hear something weird, and um, the parts that's for kids are not good. I would say, generally, there's nothing abhorrent about it that you know with lasers and guns uh, my son will pick up a stick and say pew 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 so it's not like the shows that have swords and clubs and things that he could try Hmm. to you know pick up a stick and bash my daughter over the head with it would be more like he would be standing a ways away and saying pew 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 and anything dialogue <laughs> he wouldn't understand so he wouldn't get the whole love lover like thing like that whole issue so he would just see robots and lasers and um bad acting which is exactly how he would play is if you've ever seen kids play, it's the worst acting ever. I was good when I was a kid. I'm I'm sure you would have made the SAG Awards. Uh, I was good. Derek? So my answer to this would be would be no, because I think if I was going to like if I was gonna be like, hey, watch this show with lasers and all this other there's, there's so many better options to choose from. <laughs> uh, okay. Like okay. There's the, the just just from that like it just wasn't good. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I would buy my son a lunchbox of this show and let him go to school with it. <laughs> that that is, I think, as a parent, if I had to support the show in any way, it would be the lunchbox route. Yeah, me too. This show sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, like I'm really trying to stretch this one out and I'm like, we've only been going for two hours and I'm just like <laughs> I swear like fifteen minutes into this show I was like, I I'm not gonna have a lot. Like there's not a lot to dissect you this know, one I, other than this is just shit. I, I don't think we need to set the precedence that our raw files have to be four hours long. <laughs> no, I know, I'm just saying, but usually like a, like I could we could have been done with this one in forty five minutes, like so, Captain Power, there's some guys who broke in, and they found him, and then the evil guy, and then they fought a battle, and then the guy was like, hey, you can trust me or not trust me. I'm really creepy. <laughs> Young girl, lovers, Finn. <laughs> and we were all just like, wow, that was really fucking shit. This, okay, what are we doing next week, guys? It's true. There's not a lot of subtext here. Yeah. No, none. Okay, so 
Should uh, we keep the show on the list? Hell no. It no. was fucking trash. It's so, damn, there's man. so much horror here, though. David, if we wanted to keep this for any shits and giggles type of reason, I would say that we do a YouTube MST3K style on the on a show like like we we do it like that where we don't podcast about it but we more so watch certain key clips that don't imp- like that don't um create a copyright issue um well this is already on YouTube so it, does that mean it's it's uh open source or it's free free um well, nobody's doing them, so. So, I, I think that if we if we wanted to put this, if we wanted to do this again, it would benefit us by doing a video format. If we want to do that in the future, um, but just merely talking about these episodes, I don't think it's worth it. So I vote no. I was going to go with a pretty weak yes, but. Uh... <laughs> I'm also open to the idea of Matt animating um, storyboard but, formats. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it probably would have been a stronger yes if we hadn't already run through all of the spoilers. That's true. See, I feel like we're being mean because I think David loves this show. No, no, no. I mean, I, I mean, this is amazingly terrible. This is. <laughs> it, it really it's is quintessential. Yeah, this is like just the random. What the hell is even happening that we're looking for? <laughs> it was, I'm with it you, was David. so bad. This is the kind of stuff that David would make me watch, like at a mm-hmm. uh, anime con, while we're like <laughs> waiting for the next panel or something cool to start. We would like go back, and he would make me watch like clips from something like this. <laughs> it's yep. it was so bad that there was like a coalition of concerned mothers who campaigned against this show thinking that the whole purpose was to sell toys and Satan to their children. Ah, Satan. Well, toys, like, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just wrapping up the Satan yeah. from the whole 1980s yeah. D&D. Like, Satan's uh, got uh, better things to do. <laughs> like, I would have put my name in this project. He, he was busy slowly, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. you know, introducing uh, opiates to I everyone mean, in the 80s. He, he might if he was like, I made money at every level. <laughs> it was just real bad. Somebody sold their soul to Alan Smithy to create this project. <laughs> yes. I think we should keep it. No. Oh, did I talk you to <laughs> No. I, I always wanted to keep it. Okay. It's horrible. <laughs> Fine, we're doing a video format then. It makes us all dumber to watch it. Let's me- message Adam. So let, hold on, David. Before you do that, let me ask this question because this is the Eli Manning NFL Hall of Fame question: <laughs> Is the purpose of the podcast Who's Eli Manning to talk about things that are amazingly terrible, and therefore keep the things that we think are terrible to continue to talk about them, or is it for us to continue to watch the shows that we liked watching? I think it's for us to decide. We don't need to know. We don't need to decide if it's either one of those. God damn it, Matt. Wait, what? what? 
what I what I'm looking for is the next is another a different episode going to be significantly different that we'll have something to talk about. Yes. So yes, in in that framing it that way, I would vote to keep it because this episode was about as shallow as it gets. We still haven't even gotten to uh, the one universe theory, so we got it. Well, we we're we're about to get there, but let's declare. Adam has voted no, so that's three no's. Okay, yes, it's out. It's out. Does anyone want to uh, posit anything here? Oh my god! <laughs> when does this take place? They say in the opening. Twenty-one thirty-two is when Lord Dread and all that bullshit like get created, and then I believe it's fifteen years later. Well, twenty-one thirty-two. Thank so goodness for it'd be twenty-one forty-seven. So this is this is fifty years before Star Blazers. I'm just <laughs> glad that they actually went out further enough. Like one of the greatest disservices to sci-fi was. Back to the Future saying that in 2015 we're going to have flying cars. I'm just glad that this show went out far enough into, into the future that you could actually believe that this could happen. That everyone will like, be dead before. Everyone who saw like this show will be dead before. Back to the Future <laughs> and not Blade Runner, oh. which said in the year 2019, Earth will be reduced to nothing but monolithic structures and like synth wave. That's and, all it is for me. <laughs> And don't forget about the advertisements. Oh. In the one in the one universe theory, I, I definitely think it fits. Mm-hmm. Like it it def it definitely fits in. Uh, oh, so you think this whatever. is like? I think this is this is Earth. Like the whole like battleship Yamato, uh, whatever the English dub of that was. Like they left Earth because the humans had destroyed Earth, and the humans were able to band together and resurrect. A World War II battleship slaps some hyperdrives on it and then go. Yeah, but in know. 1994, the Earth was like destroyed and broken into multiple pieces. Oh, was that was it 94 in that show? In Counter Earth timeline, the entire world is destroyed in 1994, like broken into pieces. Ooh. Well, then it would not be able to take place in 2132. I could stitch this all together. If no one has like anything specific. <laughs> Do, it. <laughs> Do it. All right, David, ready and go. Okay, so the generation ship is leaving the destroyed Counter-Earth. Okay. And once they leave Counter-Earth's orbit, the sun is no longer in between them and Earth Prime. So they start getting all these uh, radio signals of the news broadcasts of Spider-Man swinging around. Oh! That's why they created the Spider-Man parkour program. But they also learn of the existence of Earth Prime. So I think the discovery of the other Earth is what actually causes the civil war aboard the generation ship. Because Whoa. a bunch of people want to say, let's turn around and go and just land on that other Earth. And then mm-hmm. like other people say, no, we, we can't like interfere with them. We have to we have to go find our own planet. Right. And eventually or they might be like, we're going to overpopulate it. There's some uh, prime directive stuff going on. Or they could just land there and murder all these counterhumans. But they didn't know that they were the counterhumans all along. <laughs> oh, no. The faction that broke off from the Generation ship and created the uh, Silverhawks colony, uh, th- they're, pl- they're planning the invasion of Earth Prime. Because they say, hey, we, we know where an Earth is. Let's just go there. Oh, okay. So So they gather their forces, and they are 
the biodreads that invade Earth Prime and destroy it because you can see in the in the opening sequence that uh that silver hawk like thing that, that flies around. Yeah. Whoa. Oh yeah, he's got the same wings. Silver hawks. Oh my god. So did the silver hawks bring do you think that they corrupted the AI that Taggart and Powers were working on? Yeah, I think they adopted all the technology. We're seeing the basis mm. of their technology. Do you think Copper Boy infiltrated the AI? <laughs> Copper Kid. Well, weren't all of the Silver yeah. Hawks just aspect of an AI that had split itself yes. into multiple personalities? They were, yeah, yeah they, they were, were essentially genetically constructed superhumans that wore lycra metal suits. So she recombined herself in Overmind to take over this planet. Damn. But ultimately, you think they're not successful because they... Or do you think this is the beginning of the Silverhawks empire? Well, in Silverhawks, they were doing the training programs of, like, where Earth was. Ah, okay. In the solar system. So So this is when they've invaded. This is when they've gone back. Okay. Totally makes sense. So we're seeing like the other half of Silverhawks, and it's uh, all of the robots that are attacking Captain Power. Right. And where did the Silverhawks come from? They were the parts of the the gem uh, void hybrid that uh, broke off from the main uh, hive mind. Like they're different right, aspects no, I... of her personality. Yeah. So I get that, but how did they get? Like, how did they? physically get to earth prime to invade because they came from space yeah the silver silver hawks had spaceships yeah they just flew or they can fly through space right right well no so when they broke off from the hive mind they ended up in space and well no no, they they broke off from well there was a civil war on the generation ship I like that we're we're now explaining our own our own lore to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we're just hey, we're I missed a couple of these episodes, so we're 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 going Jesus. through the canon. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm staying canon. out of this because I'm so lost. <laughs> yep. And I, I've been no, here, it's so totally right. There understand. was a war on the generational ship. Ship. Yeah, be, between the different. Uh, between the different Muppet descendants. Yeah, uh, post the... Um, oh, that was that was the Muppet Babies episode. Yeah, th- yeah, I was not there for that well, one. They, yeah. Well, they bred human-animal hybrids of all different kinds. Yeah. yeah. And this led to a lot of the splitting where uh, different aspects of, uh, of uh, synergy uh, empathized with those animals and took on their characteristics. Oh. Hence the Silver Oh, rocks. wow. All right, so that's how we... Oh, okay, nice. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Human-animal fucking interbreeding created the Muppet Babies on the Generation Starship, which then resulted in the Silverhawks, which then resulted in them coming and destroying Earth Prime, which is why we got Captain Power that we're just going to delete from our memory that we never saw. Yes, (laughs) ultimately the reason why we have pig people in Brave Star. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Brave Star is how we know there's a civil war. <laughs> All right. Um, I love it, David. Fully 100% endorse. Okay. Yep. I'm I'm on. David, you're a, a genius. 
Like, seriously, you're going to be remembered up there with, like, Rembrandt and Mozart <laughs> and uh, Michelangelo. Yeah. As the guy who I see him more as, like, university. an Ovid character, like, someone who spins the entire mythology together. Yeah, so Odysseus. Um, <laughs> like, he he just created the thing that connected all the 80s cartoons. We're going to build statues of him. That's right. Well, it, he's going to be super jacked in the statues, too. Don't, I mean, like... Well, first of all, his, his legend must fall into our oral tradition. So he needs to. We we've now become bards of David's greatness. So we need to pass those around. What pose is he going to have? Like one of these? <laughs> Again, this. this is a podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which, which which heroic pose, <laughs> listeners, is David going to? David. I like how Adam's not here for one episode, and I take all of his ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I get credit for everything. There you go. Oh, dude, you're you're the fearless leader. Um. All right, David. Yeah. What's our next segment? All right. Still to come. Samurai pizza cats. Uh, in one week. What index is five seventy two? Ooh. Five seventy two. Five seven. Okay. Next highest, we go to five seventy one, right? Next highest. Okay. Oh, gotcha. We've got the Weird Al show from 1997. Oh, that, that, 571 is lower. Oh, then be where on earth is Carmen Sandiego? We rolled it again. <laughs> again. <laughs> I love it. Can I can I call in a mulligan and go for a reroll? <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that we got the same show again. This is teaching us that what... What we keep on the list matters. I would like to uh, opt out. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many good shows in here. Tasmania, Tailspin, <laughs> the Woody Woodpecker show. I'm still waiting for DuckTales. Pornhub. I mean, the, the the whole point of the Power index is, is is to reduce the, is to reduce the chance of this happening. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I love it. David, you should go buy a lottery ticket tomorrow. So David, what yeah. what are the variables going into the random index? So the more episodes of something we watch, the lower the chance of us re rolling it. Okay. That's it. So everything right <laughs> now is is the the episodes that we watched is one. Or two. So the delta yeah. between one and zero is, is oh, Jesus. I would imagine not very much. I'm not going to roll a random in a random episode for something we've already watched. We'll discuss that. Okay. Well, I think like now that we know what the what the show is, we we can like direct what we want the next one to be. Okay. Because I know like for Spider-Man Unlimited, we wanted to watch the first episode because it takes yes. place on Earth Prime and has Nick Fury and. Oh, oh, you're right. We did talk yep. about what we wanted to see. Well, it's the end of the show, and Adam. Has not made it. Well, uh, for amazingly terrible, I've been Matt. I've been, uh, I've been Derek. I wish I could have been better. No, you did great. You were great. You nah, were a great Derek. I just, I just think, I just think the show is, yeah, eh, no, not my best. I one. think you were a great Derek, Derek. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. You're always a great. Oh, Matt. thank you. I continue to be David. A great David. Thank you. A stellar David. Mike? (laughs) If Mike is dead. Mike's 
succumbed. Asleep. It's he's secreted away. He's texting, so he's he's alive. Good. Okay, I want him to be alive. Amazingly terrible is produced by David Marcus. Send your emails to monotonously terrific at amazinglyterrible.com. Music by Josh Woodward. Did we already stop? This is Mike, and I'm signing off. Fuck. <laughs>